This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to independent film. Inside, you'll find tools, tips, and tricks vetted by industry professionals, independent films that will inspire your creativity, filmmaking events where you can rub elbows with filmmakers just like you, and so much more. The best part of it all, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe. And within a few clicks, you'll be part of our newsletter community. Again, that's www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, a free bi-weekly newsletter from Chris and Nick at Bonsai Creative. listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Takeover featuring my good buddy and co-founder Nicholas Bugs and the one and only Andrea Shreeman. Andrea, Nick, say hello. Hello, hello. Hi. What's up, folks? Nice to see you, gentlemen. Oh. Well, it's really great to see you. What? What? Oh. <laughs> I feel like I messed up already. Oh, Hi guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no messing up on this podcast. It's easy, easy. Don't worry. There isn't. I liked it, Chris. I liked it when she pause. said "gentlemen." It made me feel good. Oh, right on. <laughs> when is when is the pause due? <laughs> Nine and a half months. Nine and a half months. We we like pregnant pauses. They're okay. They they add uh, emphasis to the drama, like a little. Pause EP. That's that's okay. <laughs> Pause EP. So, I'm sorry. The big drama of today. <laughs> that's right. It's all good. It's all uh, good, folks. I'm on limited sleep. This can get wacky today. Uh, but get wacky. get wacky, bro. I think we're we're in wacky zone right now, and it's all good. I'm loving it. Like it's the it's only going to go up from here. So let's go. Let's make it happen. I I agree. So Andrea, yeah, tell us something we should know about you. What do we know you for? What might we know you for? What are you working on now? What are you excited about? Talk cool. to us. Yeah. How would you know me? Well, I mean, the shiniest thing on my resume is that I was on the executive producing team of a film that won Sundance in 2008. It's called Fuel. It, and I worked with that filmmaking team, Josh and Rebecca Tekel, two other times on other incredible documentaries that are also about Save the Planet, sustainability. And they have another one that is just getting released now called Common Ground which is incredible. And I had a film that just won a bunch of awards. Uh, one of my favorite nominations was, uh, what was it? Uh, 
I don't know, something about like best female filmmaker or something. I got, I got really excited. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> just you know, just, that one, yeah. I was You're just right. the best. I was the, be- <laughs> hey, she's the best. So, um, right. and that was a film called Side Effect that I actually didn't write that I directed that was a thriller and that was out on the film festival circuit that did really, really well. And that might've been about the time that I met you guys because um, that was popping and we met at a film festival and what else i have the hero maker podcast which is this i'm co-hosting which i didn't ever intend to host which started out as a tv product that then became a podcast and is now about to go into its third iteration um that is a very personal story two of my friends i was an athlete in college and two of my friends were murdered when i was in college (laughs) downer and um Mm. and then the story had never been told and 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 I just at a certain point was like, hey, how come that story hasn't been told? And so I took it upon myself to kind of be the engine, drive that story. And we're going into season three right now on that podcast as it is. And um, I can't imagine another way that you might know me. Um, I was a villain on Diagnosis Murder once back when I was an actress. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was fun. Well, I, I do want to ask you, just like podcaster to podcaster, how is it going on the Hero Maker podcast? What's been the experience? Because there were a lot of people who had these sort of teleplays written out and they had these story Bibles written out for television and then COVID hit. And we, we even have interviewed a few on this podcast where it's like, okay, let me pivot that into a full production podcast. So I assume that's what happened with you. Is, is that correct? Uh, no, that's not exactly right. Cause this is a docu series. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it is not, we're doing it as an interview show and it was never mm-hmm. designed. I mean, it's not exactly right, but, um, I did have the good fortune of, uh, I had a development deal. I had it during the pandemic. It was in 2000, mm-hmm. uh, 2021. We took this show, many, 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 many streamers, 20. I had like, um, and we had these pitch meetings that were on Zoom for the first time and, or some kind of, you know, video platform. And it was a great experience. I met a lot of incredible development folks and at some great companies and still am in touch with a lot of those people looking at like other things that we can do together. But then when no one bought it and the company that I had the development deal with really wonderful small company called insurrection media. Hmm. They didn't know there was going to be an actual insurrection when they named the company. They, they kind of all disappeared. All the other executive producers, there were four other executive producers were like, okay, we didn't sell it. And they went on. And then that's when I thought, well, I feel like I'm responsible for this shepherding this story i'm the one who's connected to it in some way and and these people deserve to have their story told and so i looked at how to revamp it and i will tell you this this one thing i looked at who were the most compelling characters that i was going to interview or had pre-interviewed and i I had asked a two-time pulitzer prize winning journalist at the washington post who covered my friend's murders for 15 years would you host this podcast? And he said, yes. And then I asked my friend who I was at school with at GW when these murders happened, George Washington University in Washington, DC, who went on to become a cop because of what happened and is just an exemplary 
She became a head of a sex crimes unit. She was multiple times a chief in different jurisdictions. She's now Vermont's commissioner of public safety. She's like, I like to say Vermont's top cop. I asked her if she would co-host with Tom and she was a yes. They met the sparks. Everything was great. And then we went back to Tom when we were ready to start recording episodes. And he said, I'm so sorry. This was like September of 2022. He said, I'm so sorry. I have not seen my family for a month because I've been covering the January 6th trials. And there's no way that my wife Mm. is going to let me spend time with you when I'm not coming home for for dinner. (laughs) And so- Wow. Who needs um, needs a wife? (laughs) Chris. Chris, right. well, that's actually hire. nice to hear a why, man say. That's a whole <laughs> other topic, a whole other podcast. It's really nice to hear a man yeah. say that. Really? I was just joking, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your ballad that you played on the interwebs the other day. Is this related? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, that's just, like I said, bored. You know what? You know how sucky Instagram is? How Let sucky? me tell you something. How sucky is it? To, I, How sucky is it? Yeah, I it's it. sucky. I tried to I tried to put a caption that said board eight because I thought it was hilarious. And it wouldn't let me type it. I saw it in the comments wow. though. Are you saying Because it? there is board eight, there's a board eight NFT. And I think is what it was, or either that or it has a racial connotation, unfortunately. And I had to type a zero for the yeah. O yeah. in board. I saw it. No, that, in it board still came to, across to let it. Yeah. And it just sucks. Like you have to, like, I hear there's like all these words now that like sort of deplatform you. Like if you type white, you have to like put an asterisk in for the I in white. You have to say nationalist so they know what you're talking about. You can't just say white. It's it's, it's weird. It's like there, there there are like these words you can't type shot, like S-O-S-H-O-T. You can't Mm -hmm. type that. Like all these words Mm. that like Mm. aren't four letter words per se. Right. The words that trigger, like you can't use them. It's okay, so interesting. Back to my to incredibly so I was like, okay, story. Whatever. Back yes, to my incredibly yeah, yeah, let's shift back. <laughs> I like tributaries. I do want to give props though to Jennifer Morrison. Do it. Who is Vermont's top cop. She's awesome. She is. She likes bacon. Wait, she, is that gonna what? get us deplatformed? <laughs> is bacon gonna get us deplatformed? give it a few years give it a few years right now we're okay in the future nick's gonna wonder why the the, why you can't just like type in your name and see your episode on youtube and we're gonna find us right bacon 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 nationalist on the on the podcast i have a story that would take us completely off the rails so i'm gonna hold that and go back to the compelling story about the journalist who needed to keep his wife and our lovely uh, co- co-host, John. That's your next book, Nick, yeah. the journalist who needed to keep his wife. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so then we just kind of, it's a good I, I went to my advisory board, um, which is, you know, some smart people I know, and said, should I host the podcast? And they were all like, So you yeah, jumped, wait, 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 wait. So you jumped yeah. right in, like you didn't even have any reservations like you didn't think to look anywhere else. You were my like, reservations were he's not going to do it. No, we were. We had so much set up. It was September. We were, were launching the podcast in October. We were like ready to record. We right. had. We so had there was all no these time people. to find another journalist. Well, no, I did. I actually interviewed a few people, talked to some people I knew, like did some due diligence, and and I went back okay. to oh, them okay. and I said, "What do you think?" 
And they were like, we think it's really good, actually. We think it's going to help the podcast. We think there's going to be, because you guys have a great rapport. And that was when we kind of solidified, okay, part of the conceit is going to be this. Shreeman, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that'll solve all your problems, Chris. <laughs> Just call me Shreeman. Shreeman, you are, you've been doing all that. You've done two years of research. All Jennifer knows is like the highlights of like, you know, the, the, mm. the big mm. moments that happen. She doesn't know any of these people. Why don't you come in and start introducing the story to this cop who has a connection to the story, Jennifer, and then she'll ask the smart questions because she's a police officer. And it, it really got us really far through, like at least a season and a half of her wanting to pursue answers and kind of like directing a lot of like, who do we need to talk to next to fulfill her curiosity? And it was a really, really um, cool conceit and structure. So that's the very long, unnecessarily long explanation of how we went from we were going to be a TV show and now we're in this phase called the Hero Maker Podcast. The other thing I'll say is when we were pitching it as a TV show, it was called The Long Arm of Darkness. And it was, it mm. had much more of a salacious, you know, look at the killer, which we never wanted to do because it's very, very personal and that didn't feel right. But there's more of a, I think there's an awareness now that a lot of brands are backing away to some degree from that and taking more of a compassionate approach. But at the same time, they're still playing the music that gets you all hyped up about the killer, you know? So that's part of the dramatic nature of telling those stories. That allowed us to go, you know what we want to focus on? We want to focus on the heroes. We want to look at who are the hidden heroes in not only the story of what happened to our friends and everyone in this like 360 degree view. I mean, we talked to the guy, the, the jury foreman on their trial. You know, we talked to family members. We talked to the district attorney. We talked to judges. We talked to, we've got, we talked to the defense attorney, the guy who defended our friend's killer in court when there was a one in 7 billion chance based on DNA that this guy did it, which he did. <laughs> And, um, wow. and we talked to him and that was a little scary for Jen. Cause she was like, Hey, you're either for Rachel and Warren or you're against them. So she was like, but then she kind of was like, Oh, but like, we have to have this conversation. It was really a great conversation. But then we also decided we need to make their deaths not be in vain. Like we want to make sure that we're leaving some kind of wisdom for the future of law enforcement and public safety and the criminal justice system you know, we're just two people asking questions, but let's dig and let's bring in some of the people that Jennifer knows from 30 years in law enforcement and start gathering the, all the wisdom we can. And that's been the two things we didn't expect was one, all the healing that we would get, which we've gotten so much healing. And it's, we get feedback from a lot of people that it's very healing approach and mm -hmm. they're breathing size of relief and you know some closure and from their events or from this particular event i do want to say we have a we're on the precipice of being able to announce we don't know if it's going to happen yet but we're about five weeks away from finding out if there's going to be a two million dollar grant that came out of our podcast 
to do two things. This is for the state of Vermont because that's where Jen has the most power. One, to work with police officers to bring them more mindfulness and self-awareness and work with their autonomic nervous system to kind of slow down. Um, And it's been proven to reduce the number of police-involved shootings. It's a wonderful program by an organization called Center for Counsel. And then the other thing that's part of the grant is working with the prison population to help prepare them for coming out and actually leaving, leading as productive, peaceful lives as possible when they get out of prison. And I was so blown away when I heard that we're, this is a likelihood. We don't know for sure yet, but it's, it's, it's very close to happening. I just was so touched because I've said so many times in these projects that I've set out to do, which is, you know, we want to do something good for the world, something good for the community, something that makes a difference. And it's not just, you know, a story, but it has some kind of, we want to connect it with some kind of impact. And the fact that we might actually have this extraordinary impact, I'm so touched by it. And, um, and I feel like it's just the beginning of what's possible. Well, first of all, congratulations, huge congratulations are in order for everything you've been able to accomplish, including hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, this forthcoming $2 million grant. The genre category you're in is so popular, the sort of true crime genre and podcasting. It really took off, you know, maybe around 2014-ish with Serial and some others that came out around the same time. And when I talk to people about what they like about it, for women in particular, it is literally this thing where the podcast teaches them what things not to be doing to avoid getting murdered and raped. And so in that spirit, are you are you open to telling us in the audience how these two murders took place? What was the context? Because I think there's a lot of people who love true crime that would say, okay, what do I, how did these two women get into this situation? It wasn't, it was college sweethearts. It was a it was a man and a woman. So it was a baseball player and a female soccer mm-hmm. player and they were college sweethearts okay. and they were, it was around Christmas time. Like it was right before finals and they were at one of the bars that, um, so we went to school in Washington DC where the legal drinking age at the time was 18. And so, um, we would go out <laughs> legally and, um, they left that the bar that Saturday night, I believe it was like December 3rd, and were never seen again. Um, and they, when they, the ne- very next day there was a baseball practice and question marks went up because these two folks were like, <laughs> they were church going college students and they were both athletes and they mm. had to get up early the next morning to go to church with um, Warren's family and it, so it was a big question mark when um, he didn't make it to the practice. And then um, she didn't show up for work, I think. Maybe she had like a Sunday shift or Monday or something like that. Monday. And I mean, people were like, they knew something bad had gone down. And we were hoping beyond hope that yeah. like they maybe eloped or something. But still, yeah, it just seemed very unlikely. Um their bodies were discovered on Tuesday uh, mm-hmm. in a field on the Dulles, what became, or I don't think it was at that time, the Dulles, it was the Dulles Toll Road, 
but there was no like d- there were no developments on it. So just outside, mm-hmm. it was Reston, Virginia, just outside of DC, and um, it was a absolute horrific crime um, involving rape uh, and involving um, yeah, it was just very dark. You can hear more about it on our um, on our podcast for sure. We actually interviewed a survivor who survived one of these really vicious attacks by this particular um, serial rapist and serial killer. Um, so this was a serial killer, ser- serial rapist that did it. Well, the thing is, at that time, DNA was very new. And so yeah. they collected, the, they're very, very smart. What really helped our case go, our case, this case go from, you know, being solved eventually and then being adjudicated. And this guy received the death penalty in two states. He's, he's the one of like 10 criminals in the history of like marked history of United States to be on death row in two different how, how states. Does that, how does that work though, Andrea? Like, how do you, how do you give somebody the death penalty in two so states? He, he was caught and convicted for a crime in California that happened like 18 months after mm-hmm. my friend's murder. Very similar, mm-hmm. very dark, grotesque. Uh, three people were kidnapped at this, three women kidnapped at the same time, three men, three perpetrators. Only one of them was killed by this guy. The other two were stabbed multiple times, but not to death and survived. Like, and you can hear that wow. very chilling interview on our podcast as well. That's Star Witness. Um, I think it's like episode 12. And Okay. He was, I spoke with the district attorney who's now a judge in California who uh, tried, you know, like um, got him on death row in California. And he went to San Quentin. He, at, at many, many years later, I think it was like, he, he ended up getting into prison by like 95. And then in mm-hmm. a couple of years later, 2000 maybe, they did uh, required, I think it had something to do with the Patriot Act. They required everyone who was a capital criminal, so everybody on death row or everyone in California, I'm just misremembering some of these specific details, to get DNA tested. Mm-hmm. And when wow. he was yeah. tested, all of a sudden, bing, 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 all these other murders lit up. So he was wow. a serial killer after the fact kind of thing. Right. Nobody knew yeah, that yeah. all these murders were connected and related. And he had committed crimes on the West coast and the East coast. So our friends well, were killed on the East coast, but he had like family and a, a life on the West coast. And so to answer your question directly in terms of, you know, <laughs> how do you protect yourself from a guy like this? This guy was highly indiscriminate. He killed people from the ages of 15 to 75, every color, black, brown, Caucasian. He stalked some people. Um, There's proof of that. It's just, it's, I would just say, for this, it's about trusting, I think, your gut and your intuition of like bad vibes, good vibes. (laughs) That's probably the best thing I can say about this particular person. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was, he, people have mentioned him as being very evil, you know, 
some of the darkest, but he also was kind of a little bit of a chameleon. Like he, we talked to a police officer who interviewed him for a different uh, sexual assault before Rachel and Warren's death occurred. And the guy was like, he was totally casual. He kind of like the cops were like, oh, mm-hmm. well, he's got a good alibi. And, you know, they, so it's hard to say in this particular situation, but we'll, we'll let yeah, your that, listening I mean, experts <laughs> listen to our show and tell, tell us what they come up with. <laughs> yeah. I want to jump in on that, on the, on the nature but of the Nick, podcast. Can I ask quick. you a question, Nick? Cause in my mind, I was thinking about the death penalty that's death penalty in name only, I guess, right? Like, do, is it a weekend in Bernie situation where you you give the guy the chair in California and then drag his dead body across? Oh, okay. The I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so Nick, put a, put a put pin in, 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 in your thing. And then sorry, put him ahead. in another chair. Like, what? what <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. Let me explain. Let, Why here, do we do stuff it. like this? It's so, so is, stupid. There is no death penalty left in California anymore. The prisoners are right. even the ones who were on death row are now considered condemned. You're not okay. supposed to say death row. They're condemned. Yep. California stopped executing people way before this guy ever made it to quote death row. So even though he was on death okay. row, he was never going to be executed. So Virginia, this is incredible. They had to do like a sweetheart deal with the governors, Schwarzenegger. And I'm forgetting the guy who was the governor in Virginia at the time. They, Virginia was so committed to having this guy be accountable for accountable for his crimes in Fairfax that they they extradited him they pulled him out of prison to go stand trial in Fairfax for his crimes and they they and part of the thought process that I've talked to you know some of the people who were involved was California's not going to execute him but Virginia will Let's go get him. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't have go- gone to get him if they didn't feel, I don't know what the, what the term is, but like they had a really good chance of putting him away. They gave him, <laughs> there was a, a criminal called the DC Sniper. Yeah, we know about that. Yep. Muhammad. I don't know if you remember this guy. Yep. Yeah, Nick knows about him very well. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Who, the, the same guy who defended him, defended this guy that you've never heard of who killed my friends. So they trotted out like the best defense they could possibly find. So that's the answer to that question. Nick, give us what you were going to say. Yes. All right. And so mine is a a, kind of a different perspective. So one of the things that I really enjoy about, I guess you could say the premise or what the hero maker podcast grows into, at least for me is, you know, there's a lot of this true crime stuff out there. There's even things like, like Dahmer, right. Where I feel like they're celebrating, you know, the killer, they're, they're celebrating that mm, world. Yeah. And everyone in those films ends up being an extra in the backdrop of the killer. And to me, this is the complete opposite. And what I like about this and what it kind of hits my heart is like, you don't really understand, comprehend, or respect the number of people that are impacted by a murder. Forget the fact that this is a serial killer and there's multiple murders, but just consider one murder. You're talking about friends of the people that were murdered who many years later have a podcast to talk about this and then bring it back up, right? You've got the defense attorneys, you have police officers, you have family members 
you have the, you know, the, the foreman of the jury, you have the jury members. I mean, this is just the number of people that I just mentioned. It probably is double, triple, if not quadruple or sextuple the number of people who are impacted by a single murder. And I think that this, you know, the Hero Maker podcast for me is a reminder. Like this is not only, you know, death and depravity and something that is just disgusting and you don't wish on anyone, but just the, the reverberation into society, into people's lives of something like this is something that really, I think everyone should respect and they should understand. And it's something that I really appreciate about what you're doing. And on top of that, I want to say that because that's what I get from it, and I'm hoping that others get from it. I know Chris applauded the idea of the $2 million to support, you know, all sorts of things that again, have been touched by this, but I applaud the fact that you didn't let this go, right? I mean, how many times did you have an opportunity to say, this is too much. It's not working. We've talked to all these distributors. We've talked to all these people. We even had someone who's going to host the podcast for us and it fell through. You had every right and opportunity to say, this is too much for me. And you didn't do that. And I think that to me is worth applauding. And I think that is a huge lesson that filmmakers who have a story to tell, not just filmmakers who are, you know, who just want to make a film, right? But if you have a story to tell, there's so many different ways that you can do it, whether it's on film, whether it's on a podcast, you know, there's, I mean, you could be an artist as in a painter and get your ideas, your thoughts and your feelings out there. So again, I just want to just applaud you for, for not giving up and, and really making this piece of art and this piece of history, something that we can consume via the hero maker podcast. Thank you so much. And thanks for, for getting that piece of it too, that the, I accept the acknowledgement about sticking with it. Thank you. Mm. Um, I'll let that in. And there's more of a story to tell. Um, I'm in touch with someone on death row or condemned right now who knew our killer um, in prison and is in for a heinous, heinous crime where two kids under the age of five lost their lives in addition to three other people. So it's really interesting to form mm -hmm. a relationship with him. Um, but that's just one example. We've got a lot of important things to share. And I think that is a great lesson for people. You know, I, I definitely, there are other projects in my life that I've been <laughs> holding on to and feel are important and have not seen the light of day yet that have taken many, many years um, to get to where they are and that I'm still, I still believe in. And this one, not to, well, I'll just say it. I feel like there was some strength and some power that I was, I was animated by that was not me. I felt like I had angels on my shoulder, you know, just because there were many, many times when I hit a place where I was very uncomfortable. Like I couldn't say the killer's name when I started working on the project. And when I first talked to one of the defense attorneys, it was, it was so, it was such a difficult conversation because he was so demoralized. I mean, by the system, he was just like, it's a shit show. He was just saying how awful our criminal justice system is. And, right, right, and right. I just like, I, I just broke down after that call, like hung up and was like, Oh my God. And you know, lots of no's, as you said, but I do feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I, 
needed to, this was really important. It was really, really important. Now I will tell you this financing wise, because I think this is also a really important thing to share because people sometimes put things down because they don't know how they're going to pay for them. Mm. You know, like, oh, we tried to raise money right. and we couldn't, or we, that's why we pitched it to all these people and they didn't want to make it. Happens so all the time. What am I yep. supposed to, you yep. know, I have put on quite a bit of my own financial resources behind making sure that this has a really strong season one and season two. But I also, we did raise some money too, just, you know, crowd, a little bit of crowdfunding, uh, not an official thing, just like we had a fiscal sponsor um, that was a nonprofit that worked with us for those first two seasons. And also I had a friend who I was just telling the story. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to launch this podcast. And she was like, she wrote me a $5,000 check just from the conversation. And I was totally like shocked. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So that was a little sign from the universe, (laughs) you know, like, okay, yeah, somebody thinks this is a good idea. But I did have to cut myself off at a certain point. Like I said, okay, I did all the math and I was like, okay, that's how much money I'm willing to, to actually take from my own bank account and put into this and draw the line and go, now I still think it needs to go forward. So at that point, I have to either have the sponsorship or, and or a distribution partner. And so I'm in that phase right now. And like, I just met with a, a big partner, potential partner, network partner yesterday. And I think even drawing the line forced me to, you know, look at, not pull back from, well, I could always just pay for it myself, you know, like really dig in. And after I send 30 inquiries or make 30 calls, not stop, just be like, well, I don't have the money yet. And I still want to tell the story. So I got to keep going. And I like to tell people this, this marble jar thing. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's probably like a straight up business thing. Like the Stephen, Stephen Covey thing. I don't, I don't know. Is it Stephen Covey? You got the, like the empty jar and you've got a hundred marbles in the, in the first jar yeah, and it, the- until you get those hundred calls done or those hundred, you know, requests. And it, it's a way to kind of mark your progress and just stay involved in, I got to get the marbles from one jar to the next. And that's the, the space I'm in right now. And I think it's going to keep going. I'm just not sure. You know, the backup plan, <laughs> the backup plan is for me to write, <laughs> is for me to write the book. Because at this right. point, I could yeah. write the book. You could probably write the book straight from the from the words in the podcast if you have a transcribe. Yeah, I can do a lot of it that way. Um, and then I don't have to pay anybody to do that. I can just do that myself. So that's yeah. kind of the backup plan. And it still would be cool to have that be part of the plan. It's I think, you know, it's solid IP and all that stuff. But thank you so much, Nick, for, for really getting that. That Actually, the, the development executive I met with yesterday said that that was the first comment that he made was mm. it really helps you see the ripple effect of yep. vi- sudden violent loss. And it is the thing that I, I want to drive home to your listeners about that in case they have been impacted by sudden violent loss mm-hmm. or something similar, trauma is that it is so okay that someone who is not a sibling, is not a parent, you know, was not right there on the first tier of impact. It is so okay that like, 
a friend of a friend or someone who just sat with that person in class or someone who was on a team but didn't really talk to that person could have a huge impact from the trauma of that sudden violent loss. And no matter what your proximity to the people who were hurt, um, killed, taken from us, your experience of that is valid and deserves attention and healing, no matter where you sit in that universe. Totally agreed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you see a car accident and you, you tell yourself, I'm not going to rubberneck, I'm not going to rubberneck. And you have to kind of look back a little bit just to see the make and model of the car. And then the next thing you do is you scramble as fast as you can through the Rolodex in your mind of who you know that has that make and model. And if it, and if you find a match, you normally don't find a match, but when you find a match, the first thing you think is, I hope that isn't so-and-so. I should call so-and-so, make sure they're good. And that's just who we are. And that's just, that just goes to show sort of that, that communal effect of the potential even of having, you know, lost someone in a sudden way uh, that it can, that it can have on us. I do wonder to how many cases are you interested in taking on? I know sort of offline, we talked about a different case between me and you, but there are a lot of cases out there. And this is kind of what the, the, the genre demands almost is that you sort of close the door on one saga and, and open the door on a new saga. Are you going to want to do that even if it's not sort of personally affecting you? Or are you going to want to sort of go back into writing and, and making film? I think it, it depends on the um, probably, mm, I don't know. I, I mean, my instinct would say probably not another crime, but hmm. for example, one of the police departments that I've come to know as a result of talking to a lot of the folks in law enforcement has approached me about they would like to do, they want to open up their police department for like a, an unscripted show. Um, because they're really committed to having the world understand how police departments really work. And I was like, give me a second. Let me, let me see if I can do something about that. Um, not that I would have to be involved in it completely, but like that to me, somebody came to me and it was something that's like, I just need to talk to a few people and see if that's even doable in my world. But in terms of committing my life to a crime, you did mention that There's a personal aspect, maybe you didn't exactly say this, but what I think the, the, the world of true crime is lending toward and, and prefers right now is a personal connection. So mm. we, are, we have that personal connection and we are a voice that can speak about it. And, and it makes a difference. So I would say if you're on the inside, if you have a connection, a personal connection to something and you want to chronicle it in some way or create your own oral history, that's something that you can very easily like share with the world through technology. And yeah. I feel like that is, you know, that's at everybody's fingertips. You could also craft it if you, you know, a little bit in the way that suits you, but I'm not, I'm not sure I see 
myself doing that. I'm actually not great with these horrific events. Like I don't watch horror movies. I don't, um, I made, I made a horror movie. Um, I don't, I don't watch <laughs> things. I don't take in a lot of the, um, dark news, you know, it, because I'm, I think it's cause I'm just so empathetic and that it, it gets into my system and it, it just, I feel really affected by it. Um, right. I, I even turn the volume down on certain things where they start playing me the music that says you're supposed to be scared right now. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, and so I think it would be, but I, but I will never say never because um, that would just be silly. Cause there might be the, the something that makes total sense, you know, and I'm definitely not <laughs> someone who has ever worked for a paycheck. <laughs> so it's not even like a paycheck that is going to convince me really to do some in case you're offering me a hundred thousand dollars to do your show <laughs> right <laughs> no all good all good so yeah. so what's what is next for 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 you uh shreeman uh what what, what, what is next i know you have uh these courses you're teaching what else yeah so i do have a feature that i wrote that um we are, we're, I would love to say we're in pre-production for, but like everything's in pre-production now because nothing's being made. So, mm -hmm. and I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about that because uh, I have some really cool people who are starting to gravitate toward the project and want to help with it and, you know, casting and all this stuff. So that, that's fun. How are you going to navigate it around the strike out of curiosity? We're going to get the script to people while they're doing nothing and see if we can get some commitments. <laughs> Yep, good. And the script was already written, is what you're saying. Well, the script has gone through many iterations since I first put pen to paper, which was over 20 years ago. And oh, wow. I've changed a lot. <laughs> the culture's changed a lot. Um, yeah. The story's changed quite a bit. And different people have come and, come and gone over the years. But I got this incredible note like eight years ago from an a Academy Award-winning producer um, about the script. And I was like, that's a great note, but you know what? That's not what we're doing here. And then eight years mm -hmm. later, I was like, I sent an, I sent it to a, another friend who I was like, you know what? I think you should play the lead in this. And um, she, she gave me the same note and her husband has been nominated for an Academy Award and she helps him write all his stories. So I was like, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And, <laughs> but instead of just giving me the note, she actually gave me the fix. And I was like, oh, oh my God, it's brilliant. So I literally, after probably Super two important. and a half years of not messing with the script at all, I just did a huge, like pulled out a storyline, like did a major rewrite. And I'm about to go through a bunch of meetings where I'm kind of talking about like, is it done? <laughs> Which it may or may not be completely done, but I'm really excited that there's, you know, we put fresh energy into it. So there's that. And that is, everybody should always be making something. So that's mm -hmm. cool. And it, it will be the first feature that I have directed and that, that I will, you know, direct and that I wrote. I mean, I've written other features, but this would be, will be the first one that I will make. And then, yes, I have courses. What I've discovered about teaching, I have my master's and I'm, I, I teach, I'm doing an, I've from done a bunch of different, yeah, from USC. I've done a bunch of different Amazing. classes over the years. 
one is called mastery and it's for actors and content creators. And it's really like, it's all process. And it's all like, you make these like business commitments and you just go in there and, you know, we have a product at the end and it's, it's 10, I think it's 10, eight or 10 weeks. And, um, I'm really excited to revive that because I did, did that a bunch of times and it's going to be fun. And I've been working with actors a lot, um, through, a, a website called super prof. I have a profile on there, super prof, like professor. And I have a bunch of students now and I am getting so much joy out of their growth and happiness and learning things. And they're texting me from sets and it just feels so good doing it. And I, before I was like, you know, I'll teach if I have to. <laughs> and now I'm like <laughs> loving it. And I think that part of that is my age. Just like I've gotten to a place where it just feels really good to take the things that I have learned over my decades and, you know, ha contribute them. And then the other class that is launching, these are launching like the first week of October, and they're very small classes, 10 people each, is um, I'm doing, right now it's called Wake Up and Write, but I think it's going to be something more like, you know, Writer's Circle or something. Um, and I'm combining one of my longtime loves, which is... I'm a level three trained counsel facilitator, which is you sit mm -hmm. in a circle, pass a talking piece, and only one person's talking, everyone else is listening. It's a very transformative environment mm -hmm. when people are in focused listening, non-judgmental listening. And then we're kind of going in and out of that circle experience online. And then people like spend 20 minutes working on their material, come back to the circle, see what kind of themes de are developing for the group and help people really contact the, the, the deeper intent and meaning and like sole purpose of what they're writing at the time. So that's, I'm really excited about that one. Cause that's a new course that I'm launching that, you know, will be fun to play with the group and see how it goes. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. There's so much there, you know, and I think that's just, um, it, it's a true example. Like both of those are really true examples of the fact that you continue to give back, you know, through your skills and through your art. So that's why, again, like the Hero Maker podcast and everything that you do, it just, it has that theme in it that, you know, it's more than you, right? It's about a community of people who can benefit from your history, your experiences. So I think that's super cool. And uh, I think you, you mentioned super prof, but, you know, just to make sure that people, you know, our audience knows exactly how to get there. Can you just kind of just tell them oh, you know, sure. how to find you out there on the interwebs? I think it's superprof.com, I think. And then my name, okay. Andrea Shreeman. But I, my website is where the courses are offered. And it's Prudent Pictures. Uh, Prudent Pictures, spelled like it sounds, dot com backslash courses. Um, but there's not a lot of stuff on the website. So just go to Prudent Pictures. And I think if you... You probably shouldn't Google me because you might find some weird stuff, but just go to Prudent Pictures. <laughs> In other words, everyone's going to Google you now. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and Chris and uh, Andrea, I just had to mention that we were talking about IG earlier and the stuff you can't post. And I've been holding on to this one since uh, Andrea said it, but I'm like, me personally, I would personally get blocked by IG if I tried to post a picture with the caption, I'm going to read it, the long arm of darkness. Like that would not work for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to get blocked. Blocked immediately. Deep platform. Deep platform. Yep, deep platform. Account suspended. It's suspended indefinitely. I cannot do that.
Just what you yeah, just did to yeah. my to my mind is inappropriate. <laughs> Completely inappropriate of you, Nick. Just, just saying. <laughs> you, you brought it up. I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nick is good at saving things. We can't. Yeah, we, <laughs> yes, we can't. We yes. can't help what the robots in the algros think. You know what I mean? Like, right? They, exactly. You know, they, have, they have dirtier minds than we do. I think, I think we can. Oh, I don't know about that. Dirty algos. They're dirty algos. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the dirty algos, where can, where can people find you on social media? Prudent pictures on IG and Andrea mm-hmm. Schreeman. Those are, those are my things. Sweet. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We'll just keep, look, this has been a blast. Like, I just want you to keep going so we can follow this path, see what you're up to, uh, watch you uh, succeed in all these different areas. Folks, if you have, you know, any interest in the genre of podcasting, filmmaking, and you heard the sincerity and the words that Andrea dropped on us today. I mean, you know what to do. Go find the Hero Maker podcast, subscribe, listen, find the crowdfunding, give some dollars, you know, send it that way. Tell a friend about the podcast. And, you know, it, it goes such a long way. And I can just say as a podcaster myself, like I think people there's there's there are misapprehensions by the general public about podcasting. One, and the first one that I think frustrates me and Nick the most, maybe frustrates the wrong word, but we hear it a lot, which is that, oh, you just sit down and press record on your phone and just start talking, and that's a podcast. Wrong. Wrong. Like there is a burn rate <laughs> a that goes. There, there is money that's outgoing if you actually want to be good at it. And I think the second thing is, is that you don't just get listeners overnight. Like you have to be super consistent. The audience has to know you're showing up at a certain time and a certain day, and you're going to keep dropping episodes. So I think all of that comes with an expense. It comes with a dedication that's worthy of, of the following you have and the future following uh, you can get hopefully through our audience as well. So Andrew, this has been tremendous. Andrea, whatever it's been thanks for having me guys you're amazing (laughs) your bougie podcast is amazing this is is awesome (laughs) (laughs) great to see you our 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 luxury cast yeah absolutely and and for those who want to subscribe to us you know how to do it apple podcast spotify we have an incredible youtube page thanks to all the hard work of the team here at the make it podcast if you want to reach out to us, that's easy. Contact at bonsai.film. That's an email address. You know what to do there. If you want to reach out to Nick directly, you can find him at nick at bonsai.film. Drop him a line. Hmm? Nick right. at the long arm the, of darkness. New handle. Yeah. Long arm of Nick at the long arm of darkness. You can ask him about what shade of blue that is on his t-shirt. And uh, you can find me on X, formerly Twitter, at flame in your heart. You're spelled you are. I respond to all those comments, even if they're terrible. I will respond to you uh, very kindly. Our newsletter, bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. That's a free newsletter. We do it every two weeks. It's incredible. It is not an aggregated newsletter where we just pluck out stories from somebody else and and pop them in our newsletter. We really find the esoteric and try to bring it to you. Something you can really actually use that can be articles. It could be software. It could be tools. It could be discounts to film festivals, you name it. So our newsletter is the bomb.com. So you should definitely check it out. And so with all that said, Nick, can you leave us with the credo? Yes, sir. And uh, one of the things that I will have to say is that I love that our guest today embodies our credo, which is be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Uh, Nick, Andrea, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again.
All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Be good. (laughs) Thanks. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. For more information about this episode, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore Bonsai Creative, and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. In addition, you can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we are trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please consider supporting our Patreon page. We spend a combined 35 hours a week producing each episode. We do this with a small team of go-getters that are passionate about film and connecting people with similar interests across the globe. And we have lots of goodies in store for our supporters, including bonus content, exclusive swag, and discounts and freebies to private film events. If that sounds like something you can get behind, donations start at only $5 monthly. And, of course... If you're looking to take a big step toward your film's financial success, go to www.banzai.film and click on services to explore our unrivaled approach to film marketing. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.